Hello, broadcast. <laughs> this sounds like a very friendly user experience you're going through. Hello, computer. No, hello, commander. Uh, what was that? That Intellivision game that did that. Mm. Hello, commander. Computer reporting. No, I. You know what? I did not play much in television at all. Growing up, it's a it's a blind spot. Was it twenty six hundred or nothing experience? Uh, no, it wasn't like a, a brand loyalty thing. It's like literally, I can only think of like one person in my neighborhood that had an Intellivision. Right, I did not have one, but like um, going out over to um, to that kid's house to like hang out, ride BMX bikes or whatever. Um, and Go into it, the woods, meet aliens. Yeah, totally. Um, my priority is video games. Video games before aliens every time. And uh, I went. I, I mean, I noticed that that he had an television, and he gave no care about that fact. And I was like, that's that's pretty cool. That's got that disc on the. Con- controller how's that work and these little plastic sleeves that go over the buttons for each different game which he's like mm. you remember this oh yeah i do uh ColecoVision had a similar feature yeah actually. they did it had a number yeah. pad and then like you had these mm-hmm. little plastic sleeves that went over the number pad which changed per game mm-hmm. all it really meant was that like the six just means this and the five just means that right mm-hmm. but, yeah i mean it could be hyperspace in one thing it could be um like launch a bunch of arrows in a different thing. Whoop. Yeah, so right. Um but but unfortunately this uh this pal um he you know I think it must have been uh, must have been an older siblings machine because uh I got no access to it. Literally mm. none. <laughs> so I maybe I don't know. That just somehow in television meant unaccessible to me. That was that was the first system my family got, and I don't think we got an Atari until way later. Dude, so, really? Yeah. So like our first video game system that we played, and it was it was so interesting because like back then, and I, maybe it happens in families now, but uh, the whole family would sit and play it together, right? So like all my sibs, my parents, we all huddled around the TV and we played Frog Bog and Blackjack and Poker and Lost Luggage and uh, Donkey Kong. I forget what other games we had, but. Um, but yeah, like everybody would take turns playing the game. Um, but then like then by the time the Nintendo Entertainment System came around in 85, I think, uh, it, it was it was really just like, here's the game, kids. Don't kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the novelty wore off that, um, OK, I could I can interact with a thing that shows up on the television, which is normally not something I can change stuff on. Uh, I just watch it. I, I remember how profound that was when mm-hmm. I first saw Pong. Like I was in first grade and I was at, I was at Cub Scouts and like our den mother or whatever had Pong. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, we did all of our stuff. Now let's sit down. And you guys can play Pong while you wait for your parents to come get you. And I'm like, oh, ping pong. What are you talking about? And like, I'm, there's things in the TV that are moving and they're controlling it with that wheelie thing, you know? <laughs> and I remember getting in the car and talking to my parents. I'm like, they have this thing where they make things move around on the TV. <laughs> it's, it's like a scheme to get kids addicted to this thing or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then John Stossel came along and did a report to that effect. Ugh. But Geraldo would have done a, a more intense report. That's true. Yeah. 
yeah, he would he would have done a much more uh, irresponsible <laughs> report. That's, that's true. A lot of, lot more storytelling, I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I got us off. I, we're oh, already fun... tangenting right at the start. Well, I don't know if there's anything but a tangent. Voice on the on the other side of the microphones, uh, Jersey Drost. How you doing, Jersey? Hey, Rob. Rob Stenzinger. I am well. As well as can be expected in this intense time of Art Sound Off. Yeah, November. What have we brought down upon ourselves again? Three times in a row. Three times. You know, I'm excited, though, by how many people I'm seeing talking about it, right? Mm. Like, there's people who I... I don't know who the heck these people are. They have not mm-hmm. interacted with the Lean Into Art cast before. Um, and like they're talking about Art, Art Sound Off as if it's this thing they just heard of. Like, oh, so I heard of this thing called Art Sound Off. I think I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be the year. This is the year where it turns into a thing and we can't keep up with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, it, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what we've been, what we've been looking at uh, causing. Right. Where um, having more artists look at what they make, uh, reflect on it, go through their own learning process and then share what they're learning along the way. That's yep. That's the virus that we want to spread. So the, um, it's it's great to see. Super encouraging. And and plus, it's just fun because I get to I get to check in on all these different people I've never heard of before. And listen to all their different approaches where it's mm. some you can tell they're reading from a prepared sheet of notes. Um, and it's very careful and thoughtful. Other ones that are like completely off the cuff, a little bit not safe for work. <laughs> and some somewhere it's like, oh, let me tell you about my day, which is super fun to hear. And somewhere it's like, I'm gonna tell you stories about my childhood, which are super fun to hear. Yeah. So yeah, just just getting to Example from the the wide spectrum of artists out there uh, and listening on their lives. I do. Yeah, I really appreciate the variety and uh, that kind of expansion just because, um, yeah, I mean, I really believe that that this sort of practice of uh, looking back on the, the stuff you make or the experience around the stuff you make and then doing something where you share that. Because, I mean, so many people who are putting art out into the world, uh, it is the an amazing, connecting, helpful learning thing to hear how other people are are feeling about about what they make and also like how they went about it. Yeah, what a what a great thing to bring more in of into the world. Well, also just just from a practical aspect, it's like you get to like live in somebody else's shoes, which is like that helps you as a writer, right? Oh, yeah. As a storyteller. Or as a facilitator, as an educator, all those things are improved through just learning to empathize more with people. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, what, um, what? So, what do you think so far? I mean, we're we're just on to uh, we're on to day three. We're sort of getting just over. Like we've, we've, um, definitely walked up the hill and, and carried our sled behind us and then have, uh, sat upon it, <laughs> got moving, got moving fast enough as we were rocking it down, down this icy, snowy, slidey hill on, mm-hmm. on a, on a, um, nothing we're strapped into it, just this piece of plastic. And, uh, we might be going faster than is a good idea, but we not, we're not too into that yet. 
Right. Like, yeah, we're just, just getting started. What do you think? Uh, hmm. I feel like you kind of touched on this in some of one of your, one of your entries actually. Uh, and I know Owen did on one of his first entries is, um, we've done something a couple times. I think Owen was specifically talking more about, uh, his work as a professional colorist, but we've done something a couple times. Like there's like this kind of, the ambiguity isn't as frightening because you know, you've done it before. So some way or another, I'm going to do this some way or another. I'm going to come out the other end of this thing. No problem. Um, on the other hand, then there's like the moment when you're in it and doing it. Like I hit, I hit my first bump today. So like we're on the sled and I hit my first rock and fell off, you know? Uh, and then, and then it's like, okay, well you just get back on the freaking sled, you know? Um, and that's, I, I just, I, I, I recorded it anyway. I'm like, okay, I'm walking to my car. This isn't the optimal audio situation, nor is it the most optimal situation for me to be thinking clearly because I'm distracted by people walking around me in cars and making sure I don't get hit by a car. Um, but you know, it's like, and, and that wound up turning into the point of mine, which was like, uh, the checking in becomes, it changes your relationship with that anxiety because, uh, hmm. right. Like it makes the anxiety into something that is still anxious, but it's, it's manageable or it's, uh, like the difference between being scared of the dark because you don't know it's there and being scared of a scary movie but knowing it's just a movie yeah well you've named it whatever whatever's going yeah. on it it gets um it becomes instead of uh like a near infinite general concern or worry it becomes a specific thing that has yeah. a possibility to be managed yeah and I, it's it's just what pressfield calls the resistance right it's like mm. The resistance is always that I don't want to start because I don't know if it's going to be any good. And then that internal dialogue kicks in and it goes into hyperdrive. And, and maybe it doesn't even have words. Like, for me, it's not always even just like an internal dialogue of like things I'm saying to myself. It's more just like this stream of yucky feelings, you know? Uh, <laughs> and I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. There's all these other wonderful things I want to do. Uh, but then you do it and you're always glad you did it, you know? Mm. Uh and I feel like that's that's the artist's lot, uh, is the creative person's lot is to uh, to <laughs> how did the end of Time Bandits go? It's like when Kevin was left there with that little mm -hmm. piece of evil, and it's like, well, somebody's got to continue fighting this thing forever and ever. I guess it's you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I've never seen that. So, oh, <clears throat> I just spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, is Time Bandit? Is, so, should I go back and check that out? Let me think. It's very British. Right? Oh. Terry Gilliam movie. So okay. um George Harrison produced it. Um I don't know huh. if that if that matters in any way, but uh I personally think it is the right kind of black humor for a child. Right? Uh -huh. It's it's dark in all the right ways for a little kid. Um, but it, it is, there are parts where it's like, whoa. <laughs> um, and there's, there's parts that like, when I talk to people who grew up with that movie, like they say like, oh yeah, that scene when they're hanging in the cages over the infinite abyss, like that still haunts me. Like it's, it's not like super high budget special effects, but like the imagery, it's like, it feels like it came from dream, you know? Mm. Uh, and, and it, and it ends like, I, 
I know I've talked about this in other places, but I, I got a real soft spot for ambiguous endings. Uh, for endings that aren't like for somebody who's all into like sweetness and kindness and a storytelling, I don't necessarily want it to end pat with everybody like putting their arms akimbo and laughing at a joke. Uh, I like that too, but I also really enjoy it when somebody finds an ending that doesn't let it end exactly. And it's like, well, this is just where we're going to stop because this is the sort of the nexus point of another adventure. Right. Mm. Rather than, well, I guess we're all done and we're going to be friends forever. Right. You know, that's uh yeah that so uh, one is one is a very uh completed processed handing over of like well this is well okay thanks for coming along on this adventure here's the result this is yeah. the here's your here's your receipt Have, come right. again thanks um but the other one is more of a um well I hope I see you again yeah and uh I'm not sure how I feel about what just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like as, as life is, life is full of less than satisfactory moments. I think the extreme version of that is the cliffhanger ending. Right. So like, uh, the Empire Strikes Back ending. Right. Mm. Which, you know, it's like, is he alive? Is he dead? Are they going to get him back? Who knows? Because we have to tune in. Right. I think that's the extreme version of that. But I like the ones where it's like, did this even really end? I don't know. Is is the battle going to continue? Is this going to take on another shape? Uh, or that gets me to think about the story a lot more when I'm done. Hmm. And and Time Bandits kind of ends that way. It 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 has an ending, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel satisfactory, especially when I was a kid. I did not feel satisfied. I was like, wait wait, wait a second. You mean Kevin's left there to do this now? And you're just going to like dust your hands off and run the credits. What? <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. But as mean, an adult. That, that's kind of dark. It. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> different. Uh, that's the yeah, different sensibility, but. Um, Don't watch it with your girls. Not yet. Not yet. Too soon, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I would wait till like 12 or 13. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to put a lot of things off till then, but we'll see. <laughs> <clears throat> we will see. <laughs> Life has a way of throwing different curveballs and complexities into um, my calendar that, uh, <laughs> you know, if I if I had the plan there. But that's, I mean, that that is how it goes. So, um, but as you pointed out with, I mean, you know, much my calendar, much as Time Bandits, it's... Um, it tends it tends to be more interesting when you're not really sure about everything where things have landed. 